0: Good morning, church. How are y'all this morning? Good. Good morning, Thrive. How are y'all this morning? Y'all live out there? All right. Are you on that firm foundation? Because who the sun sets free is free indeed. There was awesome worship this morning. All right, got a little something I want to read to you this morning, knowing what to do. Now, if I get on you, if I'm not trying to offend nobody, I'm trying to hurt nobody's feelings. It's just I'm going to keep it 100 all the time, for real. Do you ever say things that you wish you could take back? Or treat people with disregard, and later you wonder, why did I do that? Do you ever look at another person with lust in your heart, knowing that it doesn't please God? Or do you get jealous over someone's good fortune? wonder, where did that come from? You know, we could go on and on and on, but those are real struggles of real people. Now, I don't want you to show a show of hands, but I think at some point, we all struggle with some things in our lives. Do we not? Just trying to keep it real, church. What are the triggers? What triggers these things to transpire in your life? What what goes on at that time that lets you fall into these things? Well, let's, let's just nip this in the beginning. Let's nip it in the beginning stage and change the way that we deal. Let's take the low road. Becoming humble where grace can be poured on us. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Allow God to fight for you. Romans 12 and 2 says, don't be like the world, but be different, set apart, peculiar by the way you think. Let God, the Holy Spirit, take control and wash over your mind, cleaning you from the inside out. Because Jesus said it's not what goes in to your body that defiles a man or a person, but it's what comes out. I was doing some reading in James chapter 4. In James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Resist the devil, and he will flee. The very next verse says, If you'll move closer and closer to God, that he will even move closer to you. And then, if you jump back to verse 6, it says, God resists the proud, but continually pours out his grace when we're humble. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this morning with humble hearts. Lord, we just pray, God, Lord, that you would sweep over, that you would sweep over this congregation. God, Lord, that you would anoint their ears and their eyes and their hearts and their minds. Lord, that they can receive from you. Lord, let the let your word find lodging in our heart. God, Lord, that we would not sin against you. But God, Lord, Lord, let us be humble. Let us be broken before you. Lord, so that your grace, your unending grace can be poured out upon us continually. Because we need it continually. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Man, well, good
1: morning. Good morning. How is everyone? Yeah. Man, well, I hope I don't step on your toes anymore. <laughs> I hope you have steel toes on today. Wouldn't worship for good. I mean, just, yeah. just. Thank you. Word that this worship team has been working so hard from D, Kevin, Christy, George, all of George's 15 kids. I mean, everybody's up here on the weekend, just giving it their all. Clay and Beth, some close friends of ours, coming in and helping train. braley has been up here. Just it, the fruit of that we get to eat from. Uh, that, that's a very important thing. What they're doing we all get to eat from when it comes to worship and being ushered into the throne room. So God is just so blessed by that. He's so blessed by that. And uh, which is how he positions us because, because he is blessed and he's a blesser. We are blessed to be a blessing. And so it's amazing this reciprocation that goes on as we bless God with our worship, he blesses us back. And there's just this, this love affair with our father in heaven that is uh, completely healthy and just should penetrate through the body of Christ into the lives of others and just flushing out any indifference any any struggles any strongholds any anything that is lofty and competes with the Word of God and his structures uh, should take place just through that love that we reciprocate with God the Father in every area in every area that we show worship back to him and so really this message series is about worship it's worship in the area of stewardship in saying God it all belongs to you and I want to worship you by serving you in this area and it just happens to be that we're talking about finances primarily but it overflows into every area of faith every area we're showing how his, our hearts are connected to his heart and how important his heart is to us. And so we are elevating these different attributes of our spiritual journey in worship. I worship you through serving. I worship you with my, my heart lifted up to you. Sometimes that looks like my hands raised. Sometimes that looks like me just poised, humble before you. Sometimes that looks like me uh, proscaneo, prostrate before you in your presence, Lord, uh, in my heart attitude. My, 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 the way I handle circumstances with one another, the way I honor your, your structures, Lord, I'm honoring, I'm worshiping you in every aspect. And so God blesses us and he tells us to our father of faith, Abraham, you are, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. And so we are blessed to be a blessing. We have more than we know. And yet, we've yet yet to walk in to all that we have access to. And so, we'll break that down into this, this message right here today. And so, we're talking about blessed to be a blessing because we know that as we give and when we give from the right heart, God blesses us. We know that. Uh, but we, when we can see that illustrated all throughout Scripture. But when we are giving from a selfish mo, mo, uh, motive, I'm going to give to get, then God doesn't bless that because he doesn't want to encourage an entitled heart, right? So, But whenever we, we know. So in the same way, in the very same way that when we give and when we are generous, generous God supernaturally blesses us in return with the right heart. Well, in that very same way that God does that, God blesses us when you ha- when, uh, blesses you when you handle your finances according to biblical principles. It, it's more than I'd saying, well, it works out over here in this column. I have all the numbers in this column correct, and so it's gonna overflow and work in this column. It's way more than that. It's when God, when you decide, I am gonna get my resource, my finances in order, and I'm gonna put them under the structure, the governing structure of God's word, and applying biblical principles, God begins to bless that effort supernaturally. And I'm going to explain some of this, and I think some of you already have seen this. But sometimes we give knowing that God is going to bless us. That's great because you have experience knowing that he's blessed me before. Why wouldn't he bless me? He wants to bless the heart that I'm carrying that's connected towards him because he is a blesser. And he is a blesser, so that I will be a blessing to others. Well, in that same way. Well, when, you're, when your finances are functioning according to the biblical principle, there's a blessing from heaven that comes upon your household, your family, and all things that you do. But it's according, and I want you to catch this quotation biblical principles. So today we're talking about good stewards. Our message is is about being good stewards. Last week, we talked about he's the owner, God is the owner. Today, we're talking about being good stewards. So you can live with no financial stress. Wouldn't that be great? But you can. Biblical principles allow us to do this. But it comes not from how much money you have or don't have in your bank account. What it comes from, it comes from whether or not you see yourself as the owner or the steward. Think about this in the aspect. Does anybody rent, home, rent a home here? No, you have one, two, three. Everybody else owns their own home. Okay, let's say you, some of you may be familiar, if you were familiar with renting a home. Well, when something breaks, you don't have to fix it. You get to call the landlord. Think about that term. Who is the Lord of the land? Because when it belongs to the landlord, it's the landlord's responsibility to fix it. But when it belongs to, the, to who is supposed to be the steward, if it belongs to you, if you are the owner, then you have to deal with the stress that comes along with fixing it. But if God is the owner, it's on him to fix it. So God's principles show us to return back to God in better condition what he has entrusted it into us. I want you to show you this famous passage where God gives five talents to one individual, two talents to another individual, and one talent to a third individual. Now, talent here is talking about money. You can read it. You should read it. Matthew 25. It's not talking about ability. Within the context of this passage, He's talking about, God himself is talking about money, and money being grown, developed, used according to one's ability. So I want you to know that because so many people have twisted this passage and say, well, it's talking about ability. No, it's not. It's talking about money and how God gives according to ability. It sounds like uh, this, I have given certain amounts of money to different individuals according to their ability so God has given some over here according to their ability some over here according to their ability and some over here according to their ability in the context of this passage and he says and i expect an increase on my money when i return look at this matthew 25:14 through 29 says this for the kingdom of heaven is like in fact God goes on. Jesus goes from chapter 13 to 25. He's explaining what the kingdom of heaven is like. And this is the 11th time he mentions the kingdom of heaven is is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants. Who Who are God's servants? This whole room is full of God's servants. And delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents to another two, and to another, uh, to, and, one, to an, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. So there was this man, the master Jesus, God, he gives to his servants and he says, I'm going away for a while, but I'm going to give you some, I'm going to give you some, and I'm going to give you some according to your ability. Then he, who had received the five talents, went and traded, traded means to do business with, to do some kind of transaction for gain or loss, it could be. So he went and traded with them and made with the five talents and made another five. That's a good steward. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. I want you to notice uh, he hid his Lord's money. He was saying, well, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not so sure if I can handle this. He, he stewarded it with fear rather than faith. In fact, he may not have wanted there to be a record of what was going on, so he just went and hid it. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with him. There's a lot of th- good theology in this right here, by the way, because the master is returning. Lord The Lord of the land is returning. One of the things Jesus is going to do when he returns is see how you stewarded his money. And here's why, because he wants to see what's in your heart, what is so important to your heart. Because where where your treasure is, so too is your, your heart. So he, in verse 20, so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them his lord said to him well done good and faithful servant you ever heard anybody say boy when i get to heaven i just want to hear well done good and faithful servant do you know how many times that's in the bible one time and it's right here and it's talking about money it's talking about how we've stewarded what belongs to god he says you were faithful over a few things i will make you ruler over many things enter into the joy of the Lord. And this is the only place. It's shocking, isn't it? Why is Jesus, why is it so important? Because it deals with the attitudes of our hearts and the the humility and the surrender and the yield that we have to the Lord and His ways, His authority, authority structures within His Word. And it feels like, and if it feels like your joy has been stolen... It may just be because there's some things that are out of alignment because you haven't been able to enter into the joy because of poor stewardship. He also, verse 22 says, He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Notice that this, the man who brought back two, or the individual who brought back two, who was only given two, the Lord said this very same thing Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So it's not about how much, it's not about the grand amount, it's about how we steward it according to God's principles. He didn't say, Well, you should have brought five back. No, he said, You took two and you returned four. You turned it into two more. Well done, good and faithful servant. Verse 24 says this Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Verse 25, he says this, And I was afraid. Notice he was, he was stewarding it with fear. Fear causes us to do it our own way, handle it, handle it in our own logic, to take what belongs to God and do what we want with it because there may not be enough. I was afraid and went and hid your towel in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. Well, that's great, but he didn't do what God asked him to do with it. Verse 26 says, But his Lord answered to him and said, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money. Notice ownership. With with the bankers and at my coming, I would have received back whose My own with interest. He's talking about money and he's calling it his money. And he's coming back, and he's going to check our hearts according to what we've done with it. Verse 28, So take the talent from him and give to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he who will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Well, that doesn't sound like Jesus. He's all love goodness and and mercy and and grace and you know you can do wrong and God will still bless you right no no he's set up structures that are healthy that help us to grow in the abundance because those who have life in Christ have life and more abundant then he starts to break down all through scripture well here's how that works here's the structure and how that functions but it's going to require some faith instead of having fear led decisions For to everyone who has, more will be given. But from him who doesn't, even what he has will be taken away. So let me give you a definition of stewardship. This is is just my definition. It's a working definition. I'll give you another definition later. But the management of the property of another. So there's property in your possession, but it's not yours. You're just managing it for another individual. You've been blessed with it, to steward it, to take care of it, to make it more excellent than what it was whenever you received it. So when the owner comes back, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. So that leads me to my, my first point. Point number one is, just a reflection from last week, I am not the owner. I am not the owner. Last week we talked about Psalms 24 and then Psalms 50, we took uh, 12 and I, th- I think 13 or 11 or 12, but I want to look at Psalms 50 and 12. It says, if I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all its fullness. What I think he's, he's really saying is even if you had the best breed of cows and you spent a lot of money on those cows, if I wanted one, I'd take it and eat it because that's my cow. And those are my chickens, and those are my vegetables, and that's my grain, and you can keep that dog,
0: <laughs>
1: and that loud rooster. But it's mine, and if I want it, I won't ask. 1 Corinthians ten twenty six. You saw that in the Old Testament. Let's look at the New Testament. For the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. It's still the Lord's, even through the cross. It belongs to the Lord. And how many, with a show of hands, how many of you ladies have a diamond on that ring? There you go. I see, I see all, the, all the pretty ladies. That diamond came from God's coal. The, the metal you drove today to this house of the Lord came from God's ore and his minerals. The paper you use for currency to do trade came from his plants. The card that you take out of your wallet to swipe on credit, hoping you'll pay it back with some interest, came from his petroleum. It came from him. It all belongs to him. The house you live in, the wood, the stone, the brick, all of it belongs to God. It came from God's earth. So what I think is, I think we have a teenager problem. Yeah, somebody knows this. And so if you, maybe you've, maybe you've been there, maybe you've been on that side of it, maybe you have teenagers in the house and they're starting to get to that age, you know, that little shift in their, their hormones and testosterone. And I love to use this story. A friend of mine, had a son that was coming up, had three really strong personality boys and one strong personality girl. That's a that's that's a heck of a house right there. Well, the older was was starting to get to that. I'm about to graduate, you know, I'm, I'm 17, 18 ish, and anyway, he 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 wanted to he wanted to confront his dad, and he, his dad was trying to give him guidance and say hey inside of this house there's there's structures in which we live to protect and to keep a safe place and and to keep integrity and and he was like this is my house too i'll do what i want well he had had enough of that and so he said he finally says he says actually it's not where's your name on the deed he goes well you know what i'm you know what i'm leaving he goes okay no problem leave that truck what's my truck no it's not your name's not on the title well, he goes, and he goes, well, I'm just going to get my stuff and I go. You don't have any stuff, he says. He says, in fact, all the clothes that you have, your mom and I purchased. They're ours. He said, but i tell you what, as you go, you can keep your underwear. We don't want that. <laughs> and, and, I, and I think about that, and I think, well, how many teenagers does God have? Because what transitions us from teenager mentality to adulthood is the reality of I'm not the owner, I am just a steward. So when we're talking about the area of finances, and if I'm, if I'm always the owner, it's mine, I'll do what I want with it, there's a teenager problem. Because adults begin to realize, you know what, it's not mine. It doesn't belong to me anyway. It's just been given into my hands to steward for another. That's when we know we've transitioned from childhood to teenager and into adulthood. Because until we get there, until we realize it's not ours, we're going to continually think, well, I can do whatever I want to with it, and I'm going to be blessed. Not the case. Because otherwise, you're still a teenager in your thinking And you think the house that you're living in is yours, and it's really God's. So number one is I'm not the owner. Number two is I am a steward. I am a steward. Because it all started with stewardship. Adam and Eve were, were stewards of another. They were able to live in the garden of another. In fact, he told them, if they, He told them that he, they could eat from any tree in the garden except for that one. And I think, you know, I think they, God said except for that one so that every time they walked by that tree, they would remember whose garden it is. They would remember who the owner is. They would remember and God said, no, he, he said we could name all the animals. We can eat from any tree, but not that one because it all belongs to Him. And when God says, you know what, you can have the 90%, just bring me the 10. It's a reminder to us to settle in our hearts that God is the owner of it all. But you know what Satan did? He came in and he says, did God really say that? That you can't eat from that tree? Because what he ends up convincing them to do is take of that one tree that was purposed to remind them that they are not the owner, but they are the steward, to take of that one tree, saying that you'll be just like God. You'll be an owner. That's good. Oh, yeah, you are starting to see it come together? And so ever since then, it's hard for us to give up that one, that 10%, because Satan has us convinced that we're the owner. Ouch. So I'm going to say it really clear. That I have had some really good conversation. I'm going to rant. A really good conversation this past week because I talked about that stimulus check and two, two opportunities to speak. Talk about the stimulus check. Did you, did you tithe off the stimulus check? I heard this gas air just came out of the room. <gasps> I was at Love Thy Neighbor, and I was preaching to multiple churches, and I see the pastors just, yeah, amen, hallelujah. And I hear the, everybody, else, like <gasps> like I got vacuumed, almost sucked off the platform. And I I talked to one individual, very honest conversation. You know, I I asked God, should I tithe from this? And I just listened to their spiel, listened to their conversation. They love me. And I said, do you ever have to say, God, should I commit adultery? (laughs) No. Of course you wouldn't. Because it's already in God's word, should I? Of all of the increase, bring in the to the, the tithe into the house of the Lord. Of all of the increase, that birthday money, oh, that wedding money, that stimulus check, that paycheck. But it's mine, it was given to me. That birth, that Christmas money. That bonus, <gasps> the master's coming back <laughs> and he's going to check to see where your heart is <laughs> because God will pour out blessings on that 90% and he will take your little 10% and multiply it if you'll just return it back to him and you'll be like, ah, oh. yes, if you just trust him in that. But Satan has us convinced, no, 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 you're the owner. You're the owner. So I want to talk about this. I'm going to break down this parable because one talent is what we're talking about, five, two, one talents. Five talents, One. I'm sorry, one talent is 10,000 denarii. Track with me on this for a little bit. One denarius, which is a a singular, singular form. Denarii is a plural form. So one talent equals 10,000 denarii. One denarius equals one day's wage. 300 denarii is a year's wage. 300, they would work 300 days. It's minus Sabbaths, minus holidays, and minus festivals. So 300 days... 300 denarii would be a year's wage. Remember the woman who came and poured out oil, anointing oil or perfume on Jesus' feet, and Judas says, why did you do that? You wasted it. That could have been sold for a year's wage. The value of that perfume was 300 denarii. So 10,000 denarii equals one talent of silver. 300 times 33 and a third is 10,000. So one talent of silver that this man was given who hid it in the dirt, don't feel sorry for him because he was given a lifetime of wages in one setting. Because as an adolescent, a young man would grow up, and at 15, he would really begin to work with his father, not getting paid. At 17, he would begin to move into adulthood. He would begin to start his career life, and he would retire at 50. So a lifetime of work is 33 and would be a third year's. Retirement lifespan was about 55 to 65. Because from from the, the time of the curse of the fallen, death Life, life expectancy was going down and down and down and down and down. But since Jesus came, life has been going up and up and up and up. And especially since he's given doctors wisdom, his, Holy, his spirit has poured out upon mankind. So life has been going up. But at that time, the lifespan was between 55 and 65 years. They would work about 33 and a third uh, 33 and a third year. So this man was given a lifetime of wages. Now, one talent of gold would have been 10 times one talent of silver. But it was a sum of money that was enough to live his entire life. It also says that God did this according to their ability. Each one had different, different abilities. Now, when Allie and I got married, we didn't have a lot of money. When I, before we met... I completely abandoned my comfortable uh, paycheck, my the 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 future that I thought God had set out for me in that season and God called me into ministry specifically into missions in that season and he says I just want you to trust me. And so I left everything without any true understanding that he how he was going to provide, only that he was going to provide. So when we got married some uh, year or less than a year later, we met we didn't have a lot of finances. We didn't have a lot of those talent finances, but I didn't have a, have a lot of ability either. I was just kind of moving into this thing. I knew what God called me to, because no, but knowing things and having the ability to do those things are two far different things. And so, we took the money, the sum, the the income that we had in that season, and I took the ability that I had, and I began to steward the ability, taking opportunities that came along my way to grow my abilities, the opportunities that God was giving me. And as I grew the abilities that God had given me, so too did the finances. Which then, when I had more finances, I had more opportunities to, and to, to grow my abilities, and so I took those abilities, which caused this reciprocating, this cyclical cause and effect. I took the opportunities God was giving me to grow my abilities, so that in result, because I was stewarding my abilities, God began to bring more resources, and there's the cycle. You can grow your abilities. There's education to get. There's training to get. There's courses to take. We do a lot of training right here at Thrive Community Church. But am I willing to do the effort and take the opportunities that God has given me or seek after the opportunities to grow my ability so therefore God can grow the resources? Because sometimes it just takes growing my ability. I need to learn a few new things. I need to do some things differently. So as we did that, God would trust us with more, and then the influence goes out from there. So you can say, well, I'm a a one-talent person, but you don't have to stay a one-talent person. You can seek and take on opportunities to grow those abilities so that God can grow the the financial resources in your life. Because so many people say, well, I'll just never have it. But are you taking the opportunities that God has laid before you, or are you just settling for where you're at? Look at Deuteronomy eight eighteen. It says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. Those fathers came through Abraham. We'll come. He wants to establish. He is the one that gives you power. So what does that look like? Well, he gives you the power, the authority, and the structures to work within. He gives you what you have been given. Right now, he has given it to you. And how you steward that according to his principles and his structures lets him know if you are a good steward and can be trusted with more favor. But if you're not willing to trust the power or the authority that God has given you where you are right now, then that favor begins to dwindle and it feels like, why is life so difficult? Why are my resources so sparse? It all comes to stewarding well what God has given you, both in authority, in power, in ability, and in resources. It's no one else's fault. It's how we steward these things according to God's principles. It's all kingdom. Let me give you another definition of stewardship. Stewardship is to protect and expand the resources of another. To protect and expand. I'm not gonna let anybody harm this thing, but I'm gonna grow it in the midst of it. The resources of another. So anything God gives you, He expects you to protect it. No, I'm looking out. I'm looking out for, for danger. I'm looking out for is- things that could cause an issue. I'm not just laid back in the lazy boy thinking, well, I hope it all works out. No, I'm, 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 I'm keeping my eye on it. And I'm causing it to growth. And I'm, I'm using the abilities that God's given me. I'm growing the opportunity. I'm taking the opportunities that are at hand. I'm learning some new things so that I can expand what belongs to God. And whether it's resources, family, your job, your business, or your church. By the way, All of these are equally important for you to protect and expand. It's on every individual, every cell to protect and expand. And by the way, remember last week I mentioned to you that I would check to see if Naomi's potential future husband was a consistent tither because why would I give my daughter's hand, my beloved, into the hands of a thief? Remember when I said that? Made a shock to some of you. Well, he's strange. No, I'm protecting because I want expansion in her life. And when I, when, I have, when I see so many problems and issues in the body of Christ, in, in God's people, his servants, and I see there because there's consistency. My first thought is, are they tithing? Because if they are, then they have God's blessing and favor on their life. But if they're not, well, it's no wonder they're not under his authority. They're not protected. Scripture says you are cursed with the curse because you have withheld what belongs to me. It says it. But those who are, and you're returning back to God what belongs to him and stewarding what he what is his, his way, not our own way. Because boy, we get these ideas, we start to listen to the whisper, and we think it's the sound of the Holy Spirit, and it looks nothing like the Lord. Yeah. And then, all of a sudden, we have issues, and we're like, what's wrong? It must be everything external, and we've yet to reevaluate our spiritual journey and our heart attitude and how we're focusing on the Lord and what we're doing or not doing according to His Word and being under His grace because His grace abounds. It causes things to abound in our lives. And when we're not living according to His Word, it seems like favor is just starting to implode upon us, and we just can't handle what God had already given us. Because God's not going to give us anything that we can't grow within as long as we'll steward well what he has given us now. Do you know why this wicked and lazy servant uh, went and hid his one talent in the ground? So there'd be no record of it. So there'd be no record of it. Oh, well, you know what? I, I give in cash. Do you? Carry that much cash on you? You know what? I mean, I'm, I'm just kind of, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it in in time. Are you? Are you? The master is keeping records of it no matter. So he knows how much you made last year and he knows how much you brought into the house of the Lord last year. Because the master is keeping records, and the master is going to return. And when the master returns, he's going to check the heart of his people to see if the people who say they believe in him truly have a heart for him. Number, one, number two is, I am a steward. Number three is, am I a good steward? Luke twelve sixteen twenty one 21 says, Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no, crop, no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater barns. And there I will store all my crops. Notice possession, all my crops and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose possession will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for God, for him. For, I'm sorry, for himself and is not rich towards God. I want you to notice he didn't reprimand this man for making a lot of money. He didn't reprimand this man for building bigger storehouses. He didn't reprimand this man for storing it up even. He reprimanded this man for living for himself and not the kingdom. He reprimanded this man for not being generous towards others, caring about others. He, he reprimanded this man because he was not returning back to God what belonged to God. And your soul is just a little Play-Doh in God's hands. And you can choose to yield that soul to Him and thrive, abound, grow in every aspect of life. Whereas as a product of your own will, you can cause your soul to do whatever it wants to do, and you can call it, you can, you can put a name on it that looks nothing like His name. because we can't proclaim to be his and refuse to look like him. Cuz this man was thinking like an owner and not a steward. Cuz I'm a steward so that I can bless others, return back to God and do according to what he says any time he prompts. So I want to pray for you. The first question you need to ask is, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? The greatest things we can do in whatever area that God has begun to move us towards and challenge us in is to begin to take those leaps of faith that are seemingly illogical, and I just can't understand it on the other side, but there's this there's this draw to just go that direction. And there's a little bit of fear and trepidation in the midst of that. And there's a little bit of, I don't want to, and there's a little bit of, well, it's fine over here on this side. And there's a little bit of, but when you begin to just break those thresholds in whatever area of your spiritual journey that God, you know, God is drawing you towards, there's a release, a relief, a reviving. There's a revelation of his abundance In our lives, in those areas. And after time, after time, after time, there's this desire to discover more of those areas because we're always growing. We should always be hearing new spaces that He wants us to grow within. And God gives us the grace and the time to grow within that so that we don't break under the pressure of it. But it's on us to continually pursue, it's on us to continually grow those abilities. It's on us to steward the resources that he has entrusted into our lives. So Father, I just pray for a measure of grace in every person's life in this room, every heart that is yielded towards you and wants to live the fullness of your goodness and your calling to experience the goodness and the mercies that are new every day, that abound and flow from the throne room of heaven. Father, I just pray for an empowering grace to help them thrust past this threshold of fear as this man with one talent was so afraid to steward well what, and do with according to your word, what your word says about resources, finances, stewardship. Father, I just break the curse and the power over that, the thing that started in the garden when Satan convinced Adam and Eve to eat from the one tree that revealed ownership of the owner. Father, I bring down every high and lofty thing that competes with you, competes with your word in Jesus' mighty name. Father, we just come under your grace. We come under your truth. Father, we want to know if we're, our lives are honoring and coming under anything, any false teaching, any lies that we believe from the past. Lord the strongholds and the bondages of the lies of the past that we've lived under, that we've sat under, the teaching that we've allowed to penetrate our heart that looks nothing like the abounding truth in your word. We tear that down right now in Jesus' mighty name. And Father, if your people are here today and they've yet to come to truly know you as your Lord and Savior, I just pray that you just penetrate their heart with your spirit. And if that's you today, in a moment, we're going to have a prayer team up here, and I want to encourage you to come up. If you're struggling with anything in your life, in your marriage, in relationships, your workspace, your business opportunities, your finances, I want to encourage you to come up here today with this prayer team and just allow them to be in agreement and realign where your situation is with the Word of God. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And only the truth can set us free from the bondages in which we are entrapped. Thank you, Lord.